0: This is Chase Garbarino, co-founder and CEO of HQO, and this is the Let's Go Show. Let's go! All right, Monica, uh, thanks so much for joining the Let's Go Show. Um, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. Thank you so much, I's having a party today. So getting into this holiday mood.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No better way to get ready for a a holiday party than talking about the future of Flex. So why don't we start there? Tell, uh, maybe tell the audience a little bit about yourself and what you do at Nexus.
1: Uh, That's a very good question. Um, Essentially, um, I'm in Nexus since 2017. So it's been a while. Um, And during that time, I can say that I have seen it all <laughs> in a way because when, when I joined in 2017, the industry was really uh, on its peak uh, at that point. So we have this 2018, 19 years when you know every year there were thousands of spaces opening all around the world, flexible spaces. And now um, then we had this pandemic uh, striking and, and now we are slowly coming back to to the offices and we can see how flex workspaces are coming back. Um so yeah that's that's my background in Nexus I'm lead, leading the sales team. Uh so I can see a lot of different challenges that operators are struggling with maybe um in terms of the adjusting to this uh, flexible work uh, environment and in terms of the technology.
0: Yeah so how I mean you guys have uh, been around for a while how did the company get its start because you were you're pretty early on and kind of the you know before flex was all, all the rage that it is today
1: before there was even a definition i think
0: <laughs> for sure uh
1: so yeah we started in 2012 so it's been 10 years actually next year we have our anniversary and it has started from the um, from the fact that our co-founders had a friend opening a co-working space um and They immediately fell in love in the concept, Um, although back in 2012, uh, the co-working, flexible working was quite a niche. uh, They already knew that this must must be a a future of work. This is what they were thinking. Um, I mean, at the moment, we are helping more than 2000 spaces. We have a footprint in more than 90 countries um, as the industry was changing, we also needed to change, uh, in a way, uh, now we are helping as well, um, hybrid workplaces to come back to the offices, you know, booking desks and, and meeting rooms. Um, and I, I feel like the, the main thing that we are focusing as well in, in Exodus is essentially this integration part. So, um thanks to this actually we are partnered with you guys as well um uh, because we do really focus on that the the whole experience of the of the co-working because it's a very specific business model i would say
0: yeah and that's something that i think you know you guys have put a lot of time and effort into in terms of kind of an open and interoperable platform so i mean how when you think about operating a you know a flexible workspace which I think a lot of people in commercial real estate don't really understand how much goes into that. I mean, what what are all the things that you guys touch?
1: We do help. Um, I mean, we we call ourselves all in one software really because the idea is that Nexus is the source of truth in your flexible workspace. Um, so that's your basically a CRM platform, billing platform, uh, inventory management platform. Uh, We do help you in manage everyday operations. We reduce your admin work. But at the same time, we understand how important is the tenant experience. So we give you the tools for making this experience, experience great. And I think this is what flexible workspaces are really focusing on when you think about the co-working uh, co-working model, this focus on the tenant experience and how do they feel in your building and how they interact with your building and how this all works together to give you action, actionable data. Yeah.
0: I mean, and do you guys think that, um, you no, know, obviously the pandemic has had a big impact, but why do you think even before the pandemic, people were kind of gravitating towards this, you know, co-working and flexible space product rather than kind of the traditional office?
1: Uh, I mean, we have seen this this uh, for many, many years. When people and companies were going to this more flexible way of working, it it always was the future of work. But the pandemic just accelerated. There are may, there are few reasons why it is happening. So obvious is the flexibility and risk mitigation. So if you are a tenant, right, uh, and you are deciding on your portfolio, on your office, and you have a choice between a 10 years fixed lease, um, or you can go to the flexible workspace and you can just figure out some lease for two, three years, that's a a massive advantage. Uh, Currently, when you don't even know your plans for the next month? What about the next year? I mean, constantly there are new um, new restrictions coming in or things are changing all the time. That gives you a great flexibility. If you are growing as well, you can request the space on demand. So constantly getting new desks, you can put your team in this more open environment, etc. Um, another thing is that it's usually cheaper as well. It's a, it's uh, much cheaper to enter such building because you don't need to pay for any fit-out cost. Everything is done for you. Um, it's, it's basically a full service that the co-working provides you. Not only they can provide you this great space and they can even match it to your branding. Mm. So it's not like it's just uh, some anonymous office where you just put your people in and they, they sit and work they have a great experience they have a great lunch where they can enjoy um, i don't know the morning coffee and then they go to the office which basically screams their brand their their company brand which is adjusted to their need uh, that's another thing and something that in the um, commercial real estate is not much talked about is the fact that the flexible work spaces and uh, co-working spaces are much more f- focusing on the, this community aspect, right? Which is so underestimated. This is why initially companies went to, to the co-working spaces. This is why they rented it initially because they knew, especially for startups, that those spaces will provide them a great environment, not only to work and make their job done, but as well to interact and network with the whole community of companies create new, inspiring projects, rise their productivity and all of this.
0: Yeah, uh, it's really interesting. So I guess in terms of your ideal customer, it's a co-working operator, the people who are kind of going into these buildings and really doing all the fr- full service of you know, building out the space, managing furniture, desks, food and beverage, Wi-Fi, connectivity, you name it. So that's kind of your ideal customer profile.
1: Yes, absolutely. And I think we have we will see more landlords uh, going into that direction as well. It's not enough anymore to just have a building and tell people that's your office. You need to present a specific level of service to attract the customer. So even though a lot of landlords don't see that they need to provide the service now, this is the future. When you go to any conference or any e- event related to PropTech, that's something that everyone talks about, about the standard experience, about maybe yeah the integrated solutions. That's a big pain, I think, in the traditional landlord spaces where technologies don't work together. You have a booking platform, but it doesn't connect with your log very well and you can't get to the meeting when you have to. Um, so while, yeah, our core customer was always co-working, we are working more and more with the traditional real estate operators. We work a lot of with government and councils as well that notice that there is a gap in the market that wants to provide for their community a place close to to their home to work and build this community around. So you can see so many different uh, stakeholders coming into this uh, this industry. And this is what I was talking at the beginning that I have seen it all because when we were when I was joining two thousand seventeen. We were talking with two small, independent co-working operators and mainly one-location spaces, et cetera. But then with the years, even on our industry events, you could see that there's a different audience coming. There are real estate companies coming there. And it was happening already before the pandemic. Now it's a completely different environment.
0: Yeah. Well, I, that was kind of where I was going, which was, you know, do you see... You know, for your customers compared to, say, traditional property management groups, you know, do you guys see some of these emerging, you know, co-working and flex operators ultimately replacing and kind of reinventing traditional property management by being kind of customer experience first and then backing into all the back office work?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. What the co-working operators are doing is incredible the experience that they provide. And I mean, I we do have some really great example of the operators. I mean, I would just uh, maybe kind of mention a couple of them from the UK really market because this is where I am based, so I can see it closer. Uh, but we have, for example, Foraspace. It's a multiple locations operator. They actually own their buildings, some of them at least, which means that they are at the same time um, a landlord as well as operator. And they are their core proposition is um, premium office space, but tightly connected to the technology. So they are very, very innovating in, in what they are putting into their spaces, um, what kind of technology they are putting um the brands that are emerging right now are brands that reco- are recognized all over the world so if you tell those names like people know them in the commercial real estate which wasn't the case those couple of years ago this is, was very niche
0: yeah and i i think it's really interesting because the even just the concept of flex like at some point when does it just become the way that the office works, right? Like flex is such a strange, when you look at other industries, the length of the customer commitment is not like a product feature, you know? And this is considered a whole other product line within kind of the industry when really, instead of saying, hey, you have to commit to a 10-year lease, they're, they're shortening it and they're just providing more service. So when, you know, if you were to wager a guess, when do you think we stop using this term flex to differentiate something and it's just the way that it works?
1: I think it's it's coming. I think now because of the pandemic, um, a lot of landlords notice the value of offering such solutions already with their core portfolio. So I think it's already happening. We call it flexible workspaces, but then we will be calling it maybe hybrid working. And it will be something that every landlord will be expected to uh to provide. I mean, it's hard to say when, but I think it's happening already. It's happening definitely. Uh, only, only by offering this flexible service landlords will have the competitive advantage. So and you can you can see already this in the industry that they are looking into it. So once the majority of landlords will implement that, that won't be that won't be a jargon. That will be how how offices really work.
0: Yeah, and I guess another question around kind of this like definition of flex. I think a lot of people think of it really again around kind of contract commitment, but how much do you guys see flex in the concept really being flexible space and that it's malleable space or malleable services and kind of, you know, when you guys really break down the the concept of flex, you know, what what do you think it is and you know what it means?
1: Yeah, it's not only contracts. (laughs) Yeah. It's essentially a business model that gives a complete flexibility um, in any senses to office tenants. And we are talking about, of course, long leases versus short leases. That's the first thing that comes to mind. But... um, I would call it more space as a service. Mm. So it's not really only about the building. It's about all the service people and technology that you see in those spaces. Um, All sorts of services um, like meeting room bookings, um, event uh, services, right? So that's something that normally in the... Uh, traditional real estate, you can see reception services, you can hire your own virtual receptionist as an example in those spaces. So it's all various services that you have backed by the great people who are usually with the background in hospitality, which is quite interesting because it is hospitality business. It's not the uh, real estate business anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and It's all connected with this technology. So, you cannot offer flex conditions if you don't have a correct technology to offer. How can you facilitate day pass users? You know, those people are coming for one day. This is not your customer that stays there forever. Mm. And if you have a couple of offices or a couple of spaces that are empty, why don't you um, offer the service? So, that's another thing. And that's why those three aspects are really connected. The services, and the, the, the hospitality people that are in the building, plus the technology that they are using.
0: Yeah. And I guess across the different kind of flavors, right? Like you have kind of the core co-working operators who are going for small companies, and then you have landlords who are trying to kind of introduce Flex to a more traditional tenant base. Do you guys see a difference in what you think the most important services are, right? Because you guys are touching a lot of different services in terms of meeting room booking versus, say, CRM and billing, which is going to be different for kind of the traditional tenants. So, you know, how do you think of of the different types of uh, customers that are trying to implement Flex? You know, what's more important by customer type?
1: I think regardless of uh, the size of the business and regardless who you are implementing Flex, Mm. I think the most important is that you tailor your experience to your end customer. Mm. And this is all about this. So think, what is your uh, core customer? Um, even if you are w- one-floor uh, operator, you may target a freelancer, or you may target a premium office user. And then, depending on that, you need to provide correct services. So it can be um, network infrastructure. It can be um, services like uh, I don't know, virtual mail, lockers, etc. But all of this need to come together to that part mm. and even if you're a small provider you still need to provide all of those great services like people are coming to the to the work workplaces to work after all yeah. so they need yeah. amazing internet so regardless how large building you have you need to provide amazing internet of course as a landlord if you have a full building um, you can actually control it much better because uh, you can choose your provider so that's the challenge for the small operators that they can't and they need to work with what they have. And this is where we come in place because obviously you may have door access control system different in each building if you are an operator that operates only one floor of a building. So then you need a a software like Nexodus that can connect to those different providers regardless where you are. With landlords, I mean, you can upgrade your systems to work with the core operating system that you use. um, invest into it because this is your building and, and, you know, you, you want to move it to the 21st century. Um, so the, cha- the, the challenges maybe are different, but the core, co- uh, the core value that you need to look at is tailoring whatever you offer to your target customer.
0: Yeah. And I, I think that's a really interesting point And, you know, as, I think for people outside of commercial real estate, when they come into commercial real estate, you know, being in technology, there's such an extreme focus on defining ideal customer profile and what the traits of the customer are. And it's kind of fascinating how, and I'm interested to see if you guys see this, but a lot of landlords don't really think about that. It's like, yeah, it's somebody wants to take a lease. Uh, we don't really care what they look like, what their needs are, like a healthcare company, a uh, healthcare services business looks very different than a technology company in terms of their needs. So how far along do you think the industry is in terms of really this kind of customer centricity and user mapping, the mapping the user journey? Um, you know what what do you guys see in terms of kind of the sophistication of kind of the core commercial real estate groups and really being customer centric?
1: We see it's changing.
0: That's a nice that's a nice way to put it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, when we we when we were talking three years ago with the landlords, they were coming to co-working conferences because there was money. Sure. Just because of that. Okay, there is money, there is a potential. I mean, of course, there there is money in this business. No, you wouldn't go into this business if there would be money, regardless of, uh, whether it was three years ago or now. Uh but now uh you can see how uh, they are trying to upgrade the technology. So this is what we see specifically as a technology provider that they are coming to us and they mentioning that it doesn't work for the customers because they have those scattered systems and how they can adjust this technology to fit more the user. Some things are because of the requirements, right? So we have now this global pandemic uh, and we need to make sure that the ventilation is working fantastic because this is what the customer needs. So if the customer's needs are preventing them to actually entering those buildings, um, so if there are some requirements that you must implement, uh, so then you're just becoming customer-centric because you have no other choice, you see? Yeah. Um, of course, it's a bit more focused in co-working when you have multiple smaller companies that are part of your community. Sometimes maybe it doesn't matter that much if you just rent the whole floor. mm mm-hmm. Uh, But, I mean, that's question to landlords, like, do they see that it's harder and harder to get a tenant at this moment, just with this empty space that you have, if this tenant has a choice of one floor in, you know, office building, however, pretty looking from outside inside is just empty space that you need to fill in and you have no idea how to do it. Right. Versus a provider like, and again, I will... Use an example from the UK, for example, provider as a work life that is having their own brand, yours, Mm. that basically uh, manages your office. So basically, you can have a landlord and this yours brand come together uh, and they can put everything you need in this lovely office. Yeah. Right. And then you just open the door, everything is shiny, everything is with your brand. And as a I mean, we are in. We are software as a service as well. We are technology providers. So if you don't have a great office, it's very hard to attract and retain talent. Now it's maybe easier because you do Zoom call, uh, Zoom call, and they don't see how the office looks like. Mm-hmm. But then they come to this office and they're like, "Oh, that's just white desks and the chairs, and that's pretty much it." And then they maybe they go to see the client in the co working space and they're like, "Wow, yeah, that's amazing." And I. And when you enter this coworking space, you see that they focus on your wellness as a human being, Mm -hmm. not only uh, on the health of the company or, okay, what company needs Wi-Fi, but what do I need as a human being? I need a great environment where I can work, relax and be productive. So after work, I can relax maybe with some nice drink or coffee with with my friends in the same place, maybe. Then I can go back home uh, and feel like it was a great day in a great space. Uh, so it's, it's not any more matter of whether you should, maybe you should, you should really think about this. This is, this is my opinion, because it's, it's hard to, as a, as a company that enters such office, it's very hard to get and retain talent, especially now with this great resignation coming. Mm-hmm. So it's not yet there, it's coming and how to stop people going to other companies one among other reasons can be amazing office where they feel great, when they feel taken care of, where before work, they can go to yoga class with great yoga instructor on the amazing rooftop, you know, and then have a great coffee, artisan coffee that is being served to them. It, it won't happen in the, you know, anonymous building where you have a one floor, mm. obviously. It, it can only happen in this great building that is adjusted to the need of end user.
0: Yeah. And I think, I think you hit on, you know, what, what we think at HQO is the key point, which is really this kind of, I think the the biggest economic problem in the world is this talent issue, which is the demand, Hmm. the demand for talent is greater than the supply, right? Um, I was reading a study the other day that said uh, the U.S. economy by 2030 could lose more than 8 trillion dollars worth of gdp because of you know there's something like 85 million jobs that could potentially go unfilled. So when you think of when you think about the economic impact that real estate could have on creating better workplaces to help attract and engage talent and create environments where people are you know helping uh, kind of upskill and develop people to fill those jobs, I think it's an important mission. So I guess, you know, kind of last question for you is if I'm a if I'm a landlord that is just now picking my head up out of the sand uh, and saying, hey, I have to kind of move into this, you know, space as a service, right? Yeah. Um, where do I start?
1: Very good question. I mean, if you have no idea how to do it, let professionals do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah outsource, <laughs> outsource.
0: That's a good. That's a good rule of life. I think you know.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you are not, you know, you have your core business, you you have your buildings, you don't know how to, how to do it. Um, lease it to the co working operator. Mm. Uh, that's the first thing. Uh, apparently, when you lease it to co working operator, you increase value of the building in general. So it it can help you. Uh, to maintain and capitalize on your portfolio in general, so that's the first thing obviously. uh the second thing you can franchise, so that means that the operator will teach you whatever you need to 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 know to to operate right in in this flexible way um, and the the third way is do it yourself but i wouldn't I wouldn't really recommend going this way to start with. Uh, when we look at the big real estate players like Heinz, for example, um, those guys first uh, outsourced. So they and they actually still outsourcing in some of their buildings. So they see how it works. They um, they they uh, have tenants in the spaces. So it increased value of their building because something is happening there. They have a great artisan coffee right in the building while they rent by floor on the other floors, let's say. Uh, But at the same time, they learn and then uh, they open their own flexible business uh, after all. They are great industry events. Uh, I would go there too Um, because flexible and co-working had a bad fame at some point. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know whether you think this this way, but I think landlords were looking at this business like, this can't work. Uh, So what co-working operators were doing, they were gathering together and they were sharing experience. and. Honestly, I have never seen such, um, such a trust within the industry. So going to those, uh, to those events, uh, co- uh, partnering with the great operators that have a great brand that can bring tenant immediately to your space. The moment when someone hears this brand, you know, there are some brands that when they open, they have already 90% com- uh, uh, capacity taken. Um, So it's a win-win for you as a landlord and as an operator. And then if you feel that okay, maybe next step would be to create my own brand, you can do that, but I wouldn't jump into this deep water straight away while there's such a great expertise already in the market. Because again, this is different business. This is hospitality business. Mm -hmm. And if you weren't in hospitality business, then it would be very hard for you to start from zero.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that's great advice, uh, and I know you've got a holiday party to get to. So, Monica, thanks so thanks so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it and uh, getting your perspective.
1: No worries. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be really here, and I'm so glad that we are we are partnering now with uh, HQ. Obviously, it's a it's a it shows actually where the industry is going uh, towards this flexibility. And it's great to see that we are all part of it because this is this is the future.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, have a good time and have a drink for me at the party.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much, Chase.
0: For more information about how HQO can help you connect with your workforce and make smarter CapEx decisions and drive more NOI, visit us at hqo.com. This is Chase Garbarino. Thanks for tuning in. Let's go.